BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This is Bill Press and Friends on the District Productive Network. Yesterday, oh God, I, I, Jamie, we're in delay, right? Because there's a good chance that that I I will say something that I should not say. Yes, sir. I I swear to God, this administration drives me up the wall. The White House press briefing yesterday had Sean Spicer come out, and he danced around the wiretapping stuff, and he uh, talked a little bit more about sort of where this whole wiretapping thing came from. But look, I really do believe that the whole wiretapping thing is a total distraction. And I don't necessarily think that Trump has this Machiavellian scheme to uh, take attention away from other things by just throwing this wiretapping bomb out there. But I, I do think it's a distraction from what's really going on. Here is what's happening in Washington, D.C. Donald Trump has unveiled his budget. And there, you'll hear a lot of people on TV and a lot of uh, dummy dumbs on uh, CNN saying, oh, well, it really doesn't matter what the president puts out as a budget because Congress really makes the budget. And there's some truth to that where you, like, Congress really is the one that marks up this budget and turns it into what it is. But this is where we get to see exactly what the White House thinks is important. This is where we get to see what the White House wants their agenda to be. This is where the rubber meets the road. This is no longer campaign rhetoric or executive orders or, um, you, you know, big ideas that are flying around out there. These are actual policies that Donald Trump wants to put into place. Okay? So that's why this is important. This is Donald Trump saying, this is important to me and my administration, and I want Congress to make this reality. Okay? So from here on out, we have a blueprint for what is important for Donald Trump and the Republicans. So what do we get? Let's talk, first of all, about who wins in this. And I'm going to lift heavily from the uh, Puffington host. Our friends Zach Carter, Arthur Laney, and Sam Stein all put together a list of winners and losers in the Trump budget. Uh, The biggest winner in this whole budget, defense contractors. Boy, that's great. I I was really concerned with how they were going to do in in Trump's America. The Trump budget shows that uh, defense contractors in the military will receive an additional $54 billion to pay for any old thing they want. Now, this is what's so stupid 
about this whole thing because, okay, you want to support the troops, fine. You want to uh, give money to the military and fix problems that the military has, fine. I hear you. The problem is there's no agenda here. They're just saying, here, take $54 billion, spend it however you want. There's no, we need this money to fix this problem. We need this money because this is a bigger problem. There's nothing. There's no direction. There's no anything other than just saying, here, defense contractors are my friends. They're very rich. We want to make them richer. The budget document cites, quote, stocks of critical munitions, rebuilding readiness, a more lethal joint force, and additional F-35 joint strike fighters. Which, by the way, uh, as the Huffington Post points out, have been complete disasters, the F-35 joint strike fighters. Who's going to pay for the wall? Well, if you look at Trump's budget, we're going to pay for the wall. This was a lie throughout the whole campaign. Say it with me. What are we going to do? Build a wall. Who's going to pay for it? Mexico. Mexico. How many times did we hear that? How many months did we hear that? And you know what? It was all a big, fat, effing lie. There's money in the budget to pay for the wall. Trump wants to give the Department of Homeland Security an additional $2.6 billion, some of which would be used to plan, design, and construct a physical wall along the southern border. The actual wall will cost much, much more than $2.6 billion, of course, but this is what they need to get it started. So we're going to pay for the wall. We're going to pay for the wall. And you know what's going to happen? These Republicans are going to go along with it, and they're going to make sure that we got money for the wall, and this whole thing... This whole election, the whole campaign that was run on we're going to build a wall and Mexico is going to pay for it because I'm such a great negotiator was all hot gas. It's all a lie. It's a, the, 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 the biggest con job we've ever seen in this country. And the Republicans just, what leadership. What a great guy. He's the greatest negotiator we've ever seen. Mick Mulvaney is the head of the OMB. He showed up at the press briefing yesterday. I, I, I have to play these for you or else it literally would be unbelievable. Like the stuff that he came out and said yesterday. Because who's going to lose in this budget? Well, poor people are going to get their teeth kicked in by this budget. On a lot of different levels. Low income for home energy assistance program, gone. Meals on wheels, gone. After school programs that help feed kids who come from houses where they are not necessarily well taken care of, gone. Don't believe me? Here's Mick Mulvaney. He, first of all, talked about this is the after-school stuff, Jamie, because there are programs in place to help children who come from houses where they don't have as much privilege as maybe you or I. They have a hard time getting a hot meal 
in the mornings or after school because both of their parents have to work or one, or it's a single parent uh, household and the parent has to work. And they were getting fed at school. Now, first, let's play this Mulvaney clip. This is what he says. It's supposed to help kids who can't, who don't get fed at home get fed so they do better in school. Guess what? There's no demonstrable evidence they're actually doing that. There's no demonstrable evidence they're actually helping results, helping kids do better in school. That's just a lie. That is just a flat-out lie. It's a lie. I'm going to tell you something. One of our good friends that we've had on the show, uh, Billy Shore from the Share Our Strength organization, has done more for helping kids who aren't, being fed, right? Like they've done more to get uh, meals into the hands of children who need them than anybody else in the country. Nonpartisan group or a bipartisan group, I guess you could say, came out yesterday and absolutely obliterated this line in the budget. Do we really care about our kids? Do we really want to help kids? Do we really want to give kids a step up when they need it the most? You look at this budget, answer's pretty clear. Absolutely not. You know what's really sucking down the economy? You know what we really need to get rid of? We really need to get rid of Meals on Wheels. You know, all these seniors who can't make it out and can't go get a meal, you know what they need? They need to starve. Or they need to, you know what? You know what? They can just order their own food. You know, everybody's got an app now. Just order their own food. That's the That is the line from the Trump administration, Mick Mulvaney, saying yesterday about Meals on Wheels. We can't spend money because, on programs just because they sound good and great. Meals on Wheels sounds great. Again, that's a state decision to fund that particular portion to it, to take the, the federal money and give it to the states and say, look, we want to give you money for programs that don't work. I can't defend that anymore. Yeah. Meals on Wheels feeds 500,000 veterans every single year. Meals on Wheels served 219 million meals last year. Meals on Wheels is one of those programs where Mulvaney says, by, by the way, play, play that Mulvaney clip one more time, Jamie. Is that, can, you, can you play that one more time? I want, listen very carefully to how cold and callous he is when he talks about this. We can't spend money because, on programs just because they sound good. And great, Meals on Wheels sounds great. Again, that's a state decision to fund that particular portion to it, to take the, the federal money and give it to the states and say, look, we want to give you money for programs that don't work. I- it sounds great. Yeah, it does sound great. It's a program that feeds people that can't get out and eat otherwise. This is one of those programs that you don't really understand how popular or important that it is until it's gone. You know, yesterday, I think it was <clears throat> Jim Acosta, he was quite vocal at yesterday's press briefing, uh, mentioning that, you know, because Mick Mulvaney uh, has been using coal miners as his example of a uh, stunning American. You know, yeah. the Americans we need to help. Yeah. What about if one of those coal, mi- coal miners has a parent that depends on Meals on Wheels? Let me tell you something. So we, we only care about the coal miner going back into the mines, getting their wages, and probably... Getting yeah. something else. Yeah. If you don't think that there are coal miners, the beloved coal miners, by the way, that the Trump administration throws around all the time. If you think there are coal miners out there who 
don't get meal or former core miners or whatever, don't get meals on wheels who don't use after school programs, who don't rely on some of these government programs that are going to be gone. You are wrong. I guarantee you there are going to be coal miners who are hurt by this. Now, this is the biggest takeaway here. Oh, you mentioned Acosta. Let's play that Acosta uh, Mulvaney thing again because he asked him if this is just a cold-hearted budget, if this is compassionate at all. Where you describe this as a hard power budget, but is it also a hard-hearted budget? No, I don't think so. I, in fact, I think it's I think it's probably one of the most compassionate things we can do to actually tell you, you, you're, programs you're, help the elderly. You're only kids. focusing on half of the equation, right? You're focusing on recipients of the money. We're trying to focus on both the recipients of the money and the folks who give us the money in the first place. It's disgusting. It's disgusting, and this is for me the biggest takeaway. We talk a lot about Donald Trump and how bad he is and how ruthless he is and how he's in this for himself and all of that. And at the end of the day, look who's carrying the water on this thing. Look who's making the argument for this. Mainstream Republicans. Mainstream Republicans. I've said it before. Donald Trump is just a symptom of the disease that is conservative. <music> Director of Fiscal Policy at the Center for American Progress, Harry Stein, joins us in studio. Good morning, Harry. How you doing? Good morning. Doing good. So we look at this budget, and we can sit here, and as we've just spelled out how bad it is, how hurtful it is to the country, how hurtful it is to Trump voters. And at the end of the day, how are Republicans going to handle this? It's been really sad to see how much this Republican Party is Trump's Republican Party. I think there was real hope from some who, who supported, who, who liked Paul Ryan and, and liked you know a, a lot of their, maybe their representatives that you know, sure, they, they didn't like Trump and, and, and Trump would had gone too far. But but that, that Paul Ryan, maybe Paul Ryan would be a voice of reason. And, and, you know, I think Paul Ryan's done a very good job of creating that illusion. By the way, by the but way, he has not been. But no, no, no. By the way, th- that that is the whole reason that Paul Ryan came around to supporting Trump is he said, I'm going to be the check on Trump. I'm the guy. I know what's going on here. I'm going to be the guy. I'm going to be the grown up in the room. I'm going to be the one that makes sure that Donald Trump doesn't do anything too crazy. Like cut meals on wheels or after school programs for kids or like this what? this North Korea thing, Paul Ryan will fall right in line. No, with exactly. He'll fall right in line with and it. And a lot of this stuff, you know, these kinds of cuts, Paul Ryan's been putting this kind of stuff in, in vague terms in his budget for years. I mean the Trump and Ryan are two peas in a pod. I don't know if you knew this about Paul Ryan. He's a little bit of a policy wonk. <laughs> you know he's a he's a real numbers guy. Paul Ryan will be the first guy to tell you. Oh that. yeah, no, he really he likes to work with the numbers. He likes to get in there. No, the, we can we can we just I mean when you look at the budget, when you look at the healthcare stuff, I think we could finally just put to bed this whole idea that Paul Ryan is some smart policy wonk. What I'm encouraged by finally... is is the notion that we're going to begin rebuilding our military, which is something we're all very worried about. 
the hollowing out of our military. It's something that we believe in fixing. Yeah. Yeah. We got to rebuild our military because, you know, we got to start a war with North Korea. Yeah. You know, I, I think that this is he's really getting, I think, exposed here. And, and, and I think he, Paul Ryan had done a very good job for years of creating this persona with the media. Yeah. And not just as a policy wonk, but also as a compassionate person. Yeah. And we are that is being exposed. I mean, when we see, you know, after seven years of not having a replacement for the Affordable Care Act, this bill is what they roll out. This bill that takes health insurance from 24 million people and Paul Ryan just disregarding the Congressional Budget Office on this. I mean, they, they are he moves forward on this bill without a score from the scorekeepers. That's not something that any serious budget wonk no. on either side right. would do. Right. Right. And I'll tell you the, the, the who Paul Ryan really is. is he's a guy who thinks that poor people are in that situation because they've made bad moral choices with their life. And that is disgusting. Yeah, no, and and I think, you know, Paul Ryan, he's gotten, I think he's gotten a little bit better on the rhetoric, but yeah. he's only gotten better at, I think, you know, not saying what he really means. I mean, he's been talking about, you know, the safety nets, a hammock and, and makers and takers. I mean, that's, that's the real Paul Ryan. Yeah. And, and 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 also this budget, frankly, you know, what's interesting in 2013, Paul Ryan tried to do something very similar to what Trump is doing now. Increase defense spending, take it out of non-defense programs. What was amazing at the time was shortly after Congress voted for Paul Ryan's budget in 2013. This was a Republican House of Representatives. They had to do spending bills to implement the budget. Mm. They couldn't do it. Yeah. They had a transportation and housing bill. It made a cut to community development block grants. And even Republicans said no. All the Democrats said no. They had to pull the bill. Their whole process fell apart. <laughs> Trump's budget, by the way, completely eliminates community development block grants. So we'll see if Republicans are willing to stand up for these programs that help their districts like they were in 2013. Hey, everybody, this is Bill Press. Thanks for listening to the Bill Press and Friends podcast. And now do yourself a favor. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Here's what you do. Just search for the Bill Press show. Then you can take us with you and listen in anywhere you go. And you'll get new shows from us as soon as they're posted. And one more thing. If you really enjoy Bill Press and Friends, please help us grow by telling a friend, writing a review, and giving us a rating on iTunes. It's so great to have you on board. Many thanks. All right, Tim Mack uh, joins us. He covers all things here in Washington. You cover so much stuff as a senior correspondent. But what I want to focus in on right now, uh, the the wiretapping yeah. that's going on. Sean Spicer yesterday in his press briefing Try and follow him. Jamie, this is the first clip uh, where he just says that while, yes, it's true, this first run at the wiretapping found that there was no evidence of wiretapping at all, Sean Spicer says there's more to come. The bottom line is, is that the, the investigation by the House and the Senate has not been provided all of the, the information. And when it does, but where was the concern? Hold on. I just... Reports, not, not evidence, no, no. no. Not what I, I think the president addressed that last night and said there's more to come. There's more to come. What else are we going to see here, Tim? Because it's been pretty thoroughly debunked at this point. Well, look, um, if there's more to come, there's there's it's something that the House Intelligence Committee hasn't seen. It's something that the Senate Intelligence Committee hasn't seen. It's something that our that our intelligence community has been unable to provide any evidence of. It's been something that the Obama administration has denied doing. Um, there isn't any evidence at this moment to do. 
may some magical evidence show up in two weeks to vindicate the president. Uh, it's possible. <laughs> but if that's the case, um, you know, why hasn't it shown up before? And wouldn't it be in the president's interest if he had such evidence to present it? I think we could say pretty clearly he has no evidence, right? I mean, I, if he had it, he would have shown it. Well, the thing is also, you know, it, it raises the larger question of, is D.C. supposed to drop everything? Are, are, are all our lawmakers, our national security officials supposed to drop everything and go on a wild goose chase for several weeks, chasing a warrant that may not have ever existed uh, and distract ourselves from the larger issue of Russian interference and the American elections? Because this is what it's actually about. The yeah. House and Intelligence Committees right. are actually trying to investigate the issue of how did Russia interfere in our elections. Yeah. And... Right now, we're not talking about that. Right now, we're talking about this crazy claim that has no evidence that we have been taught that, you know, that has been a daily issue at press briefing. Talk to me uh, like about the whole system here, because I don't think it's been talked about enough. And you, you hinted at it there. When the president just throws something out like that, who makes the decision like, oh, this has got to be investigated and we've got to stop everything and find out if that's true. Wh- where does that come from? Look, I do, mean, do you know what I mean, though? Like, like mm-hmm. could somebody just say, like, well, that's obviously, like, he, he needs to provide evidence. It's not up to us to go in on this wild goose chase. So our system and our political equilibrium is set up so that when people make claims, when there are allegations made, we take them seriously. We take people at – we take political leaders at their word and we fair. say – we say that's a very serious allegation. You've accused the, the former president of uh, what would be an illegal act if yeah. true. And so we – we best investigate this, right? Yeah. Uh, but when we talk about checks and balances of the system, right, the constitutional order and the republic that we live in, um, we're not really talking about mechanics. We're not talking about a machine that works independently. We're talking about people. Mm. Checks and balances are people, the people who decide to uphold the constitutional order that we live in. So who does that? It's people like the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, people like this, the uh, director of the FBI, the Attorney General of the United States. These are the folks who, when there is a serious allegation, are required by their obligations and, and, and their position to do something about it. And so now we're, we're in a situation where the president, any allegation that he chooses to make that, that, that is wild or maybe false, we have to spend time worrying about it and being distracted from the original issue, which perhaps the president doesn't want us to discuss, mm. which is... Russia trying to influence the presidential election. Okay, so let's park it there for a second on Russia uh, because there is this investigation going on. Where are we in that? What's the latest on that? Well, we've been investigating it for several months. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, It's hard to say where the investigation is, Mm -hmm. except that we're in the early stages. Okay. The House Intelligence Committee has been more transparent about where it is in the process than the Senate Intelligence Committee. But the Senate Intelligence Committee, it appears, is is running a very bipartisan and thorough and complex investigation. But I think my read of it is that they're in the beginning processes of reviewing the raw intelligence. What does that mean? That means, you know, uh, various foreign intelligence reports, things that are... Um, uh, that don't really draw conclusions as much as they give data points to investigators, right? So that's where we are. And on Monday, we're going to have the first 
open hearing right. uh, involving national security leaders talking about this subject, and that's going to be in front of the House Intelligence Committee. Talk to me about uh, two kind of central figures here. First of all, Lindsey Graham and the role that he has played in this so far, because he's a Republican. He very clearly did not like Donald Trump uh, during the during the election. You forget Lindsey Graham ran for president. <laughs> I genuinely just remembered yeah. that. I had sort of forgotten he ran for president this time around. But no love lost for Donald Trump. But what is his role in this at this point? How How is he sort of pushing this? You know, the funny thing is, right, you wouldn't expect Lindsey Graham to have any role in I this know. at all. Right. Um, uh, other than the fact that he's an outspoken senator and he is not on the Intelligence Committee. Mm. Uh, uh, so it's it's not clear that he would have an obvious role to play. But through his own sheer will, he's the chairman of a very little known panel called the Subcommittee on the Judiciary Committee that deals with crime and terrorism. He's the chairman of a just like, this obscure little thing that probably no one uh, on, on a typical basis talks about. Right. But he's decided, I'm going to use this little rinky-dink subcommittee, and I'm going to use it to investigate the Russia issue. <laughs> and the thing well, is— Why, though, for him? I mean, I mean just out of curiosity, why, why is that such a thing? I mean, I, I, look, I, I understand why it's important, but why Lindsey Graham? I think just it, it, he wants to do it. Yeah, okay. He wants to do it. He's the chairman of a small little committee, and he thinks that he has the, the authority to do so. And, you know, he, he and his Democratic counterparts will say we have the authority to do so under the Constitution to investigate these things, so we're going to do it. Mm. And part of it is I think Lindsey Graham is uniquely situated within the Republican Party as a, as, a, as a staunch adversary of Russia and someone who really genuinely does want to get to the bottom of it. But through basically just his own sheer will, he's managed to position himself at the middle of this Russian investigation, even though he's not on the Senate Intelligence Committee, yeah. uh, using this committee and threatening the FBI with subpoenas, threatening the FBI um, with uh, with penalties if they don't come forward and give him an answer on whether or not there's a criminal investigation into Trump and his ties with Russia. Uh, another central figure in all of this, FBI Director James Comey. And we heard earlier this week, we will hear from him in a public setting. Have you got any sense uh, so far as to what he's been telling uh, members of the House and Senate when he talks about this? Well, look, there's been a lot of frustration in the House and Senate uh, by investigators who say that Comey has not been forthcoming enough with them, mm. who has not been giving them answers to, hey, is there really wiretapping of Trump Tower? Mm. Is there a criminal investigation right now underway with, with Trump and uh, on the issue of Trump and Russia? Are you giving us all the documents we need in order to do our jobs to investigate this? So people are frustrated with Comey, not to mention there is a, I don't know, a pretty deep frustration with the whole Hillary Clinton email server thing that sure. lingers amongst every Democrat. Sure. If you talk to any Hillary Clinton, former Hillary Clinton staffer uh, or, or Democratic staffer who, who may be a little bitter about that whole election thing, yeah, uh, there's a lot of anger that the FBI director spoke out on the issue of email servers, but not on the issue of Russian interference during the election uh, and and how that may have related to Russia's preference for uh, Donald Trump. Has he given an answer as to why that didn't, why he put out something on Hillary and not on the Russia stuff? I'm sure he'll be asked about it on Monday. I, I, I'm sure, I, I think would, you're I probably bet, right. I would bet that that would be one of the questions. <laughs> I, I, I think but he is not, right. no, he is not... Look, the FBI director does not typically speak publicly. Yeah. Um, the FBI is 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 a their press shop. I'm sure it's a very easy job to be a spokesman for the FBI. That's my no that's comment. my next job. That's yeah, that's that's, <laughs> that's what I really want in my next life. Sorry, we don't have anything for yeah, you. Yeah, no comment.
Um, give us some sort of an idea of where this ends in terms of how long this is going to take. Do you? I mean, I know there are a lot of people who really want to know a definitive answer. Are we going to get it, and when, when might we get it? I can't predict that. I mean, I don't think What are you that, talking about? You can't predict that. that. I can't Since predict, Washington, D.C. Because, because every We're time the president- moving you into pundit territory. The, the, every time the president goes on television or oh, says geez. something crazy, it extends Derails the investigation. It. Sure. Right? Like, we now spent days and days and days talking about this wiretapping allegation, which has no basis in evidence, at least from what I've seen or what investigators have seen. And it's a distraction from the actual core issue of the investigation. I think that- Investigators are working hard, and originally they had wanted to finish in three months. And I know that a lot of Republicans want to get this over with, to get this cloud that's hanging over the head clear. They just want to deal with it. Yeah. Um, but it could take six months. It could take 18 months. You know, remember that the investigation on Benghazi, which was one event on one day, yeah. took two and a half years. Yeah. And that was the select committee that happened after five other Investigations that already and that wouldn't been. have ended even if like if she had become president the Benghazi stuff would still be going on. Uh, I who's to say? Yeah, I I, I don't uh, I don't know. Joel Payne is our friend, uh, Democratic strategist and former director of African American paid media and advertising for Hillary for America. An overall big brain. We just like to have you come in here and uh, shoot the breeze. What's Going on in the uh, world here in Washington, D.C., it's it's all about the budget right now. It's all about the budget. And, you know, look, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a guy I've worked in politics for over a decade. Um, I get it. I understand how these things are, are, are done, and I understand how budgets are made. But, man, you just see some of the things in this Trump budget, and it's, it's hard not to feel like it is a direct shot. Yeah. At the communities that, frankly, that I represent, you know, African-American communities, I come from a, a, a working class family. Um, it just feels like this president thinks this is what his mandate was, was to go into gut programs that help poor people, working class people, African-Americans, Latinos. It's hard not to feel that. Yeah. You're a, you're a big political brain. I try to be. Trump care. Oh, goodness. D- d- is anybody like this bill at all? Well, so here's where I actually, I don't want to say I will give the president some credit, but I think he has been very deft in not owning any of this quite yet. He's given himself Fair. some space yeah. to to negotiate on this. Right. I think it's, a, it's, it's terrible. It's been panned on the left and the right. Um, again, going back to the Trump budget, look at who it's targeting. It's making it harder for people of lower income to ex- ex- access affordable health care, and it's giving money back to wealthy people. It's yeah. give, I mean, that's that's who this guy is. But, it is. But, you know, the fact that, you know, you've got him talking about this is this is hard. I didn't I didn't realize this was hard. Oh, my who goodness. Who could have possibly who known? Have, who could have guessed that reforming the, the health care delivery system would be difficult? Yeah. Um, he just... You know, I, I'm I'm speechless with what this guy is doing and 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 the the mandate that he feels that he has, and the fact that there are Republicans that are allowing him to to do this yeah. um, unfettered every day. Yeah. No, the idea that the Republicans are going to wise up and and no, shut this down is this just is who he is, and this, and this is, is who they are. This is who he is, and this is who they are. Yeah. As I said earlier, Trump is just a symptom of the disease that is conservatism. Yeah. I almost think we give conservatives a break 
by it, it's they, Donald Trump has become the magnet. He's become the lightning rod that all the attention is kind of focused away from the core of the the Republican Party, American conservatives, their their vision for America. Yeah. He's executing it. Yeah. He's actually he's doing it in a very brash um, upfront way, but he's executing it better than anybody has ever done on their side. And this all comes back to what I was saying earlier. The Republicans don't know how to govern. They always play their hand. And then we have to come in as Democrats to fix the mess. This is what we've always done. Barack Obama spent the last five, six years fixing the mess. We've got job creation back to a good place. Not perfect. Back to a good place. Things are moving in the right direction. Maybe not fast enough, but moving in the right direction. So what? Donald Trump's going to come in. He's going to take credit for the last five years of progress, and he's going to go and destroy it in the term. Yeah. No, he will. That's what's going to happen. Uh, hey, can we get the Sean Spicer clip, Jamie, where he talks about the uh, the the cuts? This is classic Washington speak. I don't know if you've heard this, Joe. He had a really nice tie on, though. Yes, he did have that nice green tie on. <laughs> uh, Spicer talks about how, well, this is classic, classic Washington doublespeak. There's this assumption in Washington, Jonathan, that if you get less money, it's a cut. And I think that the reality is, is that in a lot of these, there's efficiencies, duplicity, ways to spend money better. And I think if you're wasting a lot of money, uh, that's not a true dollar spent. So there's this misconception in Washington that if you get less money, then it's a cut. <laughs> Look, man. I'm it, not sure what that is, but. I, I just, I want Sean Spicer to be okay. I'm really. <laughs> I'm just I'm concerned about the guy because every time he comes out it looks like a hostage video. It looks like it looks like he has been bullied and beaten I up. Um No, it looks into, like he's about to submission. faint. Yeah. Like I mean, at any given moment. He's got wobbly knees. I mean, he looks like Baghdad Bob out there. <laughs> he does. He looks I There's mean, efficiencies, look. duplicity. Yeah. That's yeah. it. That he's describing himself. Yeah. I look, I I can't say I want him to be okay because he took this job, yeah. and I want him to experience every painful yeah. moment of it. Too, too. <laughs> but like, <laughs> but like, yeah, he's not well. I don't think he's well. So we got about a minute or so left, Joel. Uh, how are Democrats going to fight back against this budget? Against Trump Care? What's the plan here? Well, um, it, it looks like, and I think Chuck Schumer's already kind of lost patience with this plan of trying to find ways to work with the president. I, I, I give him credit because I think he was trying to. I think when you hear the president talk about infrastructure spending and, you know, um, maybe addressing some of the, the endemic problems in the inner city, you were, I guess you were hopeful, but if you've been paying attention to history, you realize that that's just all talk. No, no, no. But you, but you at least I've had something to, hope. at least you had something to hang your hat on. Now you've seen him in action and you see that. You know, he's just he's a standard issue Republican, but he just delivers their message in a more brash way. So for for Democrats, look, um, all we have to do is just keep shining a light on on their issues. We've got to stay out of our own way. Um, I, I don't think we should create an environment like Mitch McConnell did with Barack Obama, where it feels like we are we are disagreeing for the sake of being disagreeable. But I do think we should just have we just have to shine a light on everything that they're doing and we can't give them any room. All right. All right. That's Joel Payne, our good friend, Democratic strategist and overall political big brain. Remember, guys, go check out the podcast on iTunes. Just search for The Bill Price Show. We'll have this show up a little bit later on and a special extended play interview over the weekend. And go subscribe YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Thanks, to everybody, for watching. We'll be back on Monday. This is The Bill Press Show.